Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. As I do that, I recognize my own humanity. And then as I recognize my own humanity, I get the opportunity to look out at other people. And when I judge their behaviors, their words, their, you know, intentions, I ask myself, have you ever done that? And then when the answer is yes, and it usually is, um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's only me talking to me. So, but when I recognize my humanity and their humanity as being similar, I realize that we're all the same, which allows me the opportunity to be transparent. And the more transparent I am, I find the more people are interested in hearing what I have to say. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Welcome to another episode of The Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. Um, I, I'm excited about the guests that I have today. But but before we get in that, you know, the holiday season is coming up. I know because of all the, the things that's going on with the with the ports here in America. I know I have listeners from all over the planet, from Australia, from New Zealand, from Guam, from England. But here in America, we there's something going on with our ports. So things Christmas is going to be delayed for, for some of us if we don't jump on the shopping early. Um, but there is something you can be able to get yourself and your loved ones. And it's my book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. Now, I wrote this book uh, really for, for athletes and 
when you look at it, I'm, I'm kind of like Nike. If you have a body, then you're an athlete. And so with this book, it helps you understand. It, it breaks down all the, the, it quiets the noise about leadership. Leadership, most part, people just put, they just put it on what your character is. Now, that's a big part of leadership. It's not the only thing. And being a leader, being a, or understanding leadership, you need to understand what it is. It's influence. Now, how do you use that influence to get what you want? That's, the, that's what it is, to get what you want. You have to be able to understand and how to use that to get or go where you want to go. You have to be able to understand that. Okay, but number one, you have to be able to lead yourself. So get my book and go to uh, www.yourultimateplaybook.com. And speaking about leading yourself, my next guest is Jenny Burton. She has a magnificent story. And I found out about her a couple of months ago. She was on LinkedIn and it showed her a before and after picture. I've never seen anything like this before. Okay, she has a horrific background and just talking about it kind of gets me choked up because when I saw the video they did a video um, it was through a news base up in um, Seattle area and it told her story in six and a half minutes and I was crying for about five of those six and a half minutes but uh, her story is incredible if you don't believe in change this episode will do exactly that it will change you it would change how you think about personal development, what you think about leading yourself out of misery, and will give you a roadmap to become a high achiever. She is the ultimate high achiever. All right, let's tune in. Jenny, thank you for yeah. being a guest on The Shark Effect. Um, I'm excited for our conversation. And, you know, I reached out to, to you I was inspired from your story. Um, I had posted something about it on, on LinkedIn, I believe, a couple of months ago. And it was so funny to be able to, to you know, have you here. I had a conversation. I actually, I, I dug in and saw a little bit more about your story. And I was just so, I was inspired to tears. And I think it's, it's more than just about inspiration, but it's about, um, you know, the journey that, and the mindset that we have to have to be able to change. So thank you once again, Jeannie, and I'm excited for our conversation. Me too, Alex. Thanks for asking me on. Yeah, yeah. So tell, tell, tell my listeners a little bit about you, a little bit about your story. Yeah, sure. Uh, I started out in life um, in adversity, really. My parents were both drug addicts. I had absolutely no idea of this when I was young. And, you know, like any other kid, I had hopes and dreams and fantasies that would exist in my mind. And um, but it wasn't long before I realized that my life wasn't like other people's. Um, I was introduced to violence in the prison system before the age of four. And um, and then I was introduced to drugs by my mom at age seven. And that experience progressed. And uh, I'd started smoking weed with my mom at age seven. And then by age 12, I was doing methamphetamine by age 14. I was a crack smoker and my life just sort of spiraled out of control. And those weren't the dreams that I had for myself. I thought that I was going to become a defense attorney and that I was going to go to college. But by the time I was 15 years old, I knew that I would be spending time in a prison cell. 
And that's exactly what ended up happening. My life progressed along those lines. I became a product of my environment, engaged in multiple violent uh, relationships, whether they were friendships or intimate relationships. I had a couple of kids and despite my best effort, I became the mother that I thought that I would not become, which was my mother. Um, I was my mom's drug and crime partner. We spent time together in prison. Um, you know, life was a whirlwind of chaos, destruction, and violence. And uh, at about age 40, um, I had had enough, but with my best efforts, I still couldn't stop on my own. And, and I got the opportunity to be stopped by um, the correction system. A couple of police officers arrested me, and I was rescued at that point. And there's a whole lot of stuff that happened in between there, but um, at 40, I got the opportunity to make a decision to change my life, and um, and that's what I did. I worked really hard, and all of the things that were existing in my mind that I thought might be a solution to my problems, I actually started implementing those things regardless of how uncomfortable it was at times. And what's happened over the last nine years is I've, I've built a life that I never thought would be possible for somebody like myself. And I did it through blood, sweat, and tears, just a tremendous amount of hard work where I was just no longer willing to give up. Mm, I love that. That's, uh, that, that. that's powerful. And, you know, when you said that you had to get out of your head and kind of, kind of separate yourself from, from your feelings to get out of that you know, those, those bad situations. Right. So how did you, how did you like do that? Was it, did you have the help of others? Was it just like, man, enough is enough. So no matter how I feel, I want to get here. These are the steps I need to take. Was it something like that or something other than that? It was, it was that? a little bit of both. Really. Okay. It was something in between. And, you know, I knew I was tired, but again, I just want to reiterate that even though I didn't want to be participating in the things, the drug use, the violent relationships, um, I didn't know how to pull myself out of it. Uh, addiction is really big and um, often bigger than the addict themselves. And so just wanting something to be different usually isn't enough, I think. And we can all recognize that, right? Like maybe we want to be fit. Maybe we want to be a pro football player. and But maybe we don't have the skill set or the awareness or the knowledge to even know who to reach out to, right? And so yeah. it's no different, you know, with addiction. I mean, think about the chocolate cake. If you're a cake fan, I know I am. And if it's sitting on your counter, you know, and you're yeah. saying to yourself, if I eat that cake, I'm going to gain five pounds. But the chocolate lover inside of you and the cake lover drives you to that cake five times throughout the day where you're secretly shoveling things in your mouth, despite your desire to not do it. It's, it's really no different with addiction, but I feel like it's a little bit bigger with addiction. It compels you, um, you know, well, I'll say chemical addiction. It, it just compels you to continue to use for whatever reason, whether it's dependence, psychological dependence. And so, um, so yeah, I wanted to stop and I also believed in prayer and I prayed for death, but my death existed in the form of the police. And so that, that was my first initial intervention. They helped me out by putting me in jail. Uh, I was facing a prison sentence. I got the opportunity to sit still for a while. I was also involved with a nonprofit prior to that that was uh, focused on post-secondary education. They believed in me for whatever reason. I don't know because I felt like I was not worthy of anybody's faith or belief. And uh, they provided me a platform to be in an environment with people that were actually trying to accomplish goals. So I got the opportunity to volunteer there for a while. And then I 
became involved with um, a 12-step program. So, so the, on my own volition and my own willingness to work hard, I was also presented with guides in my path, if that makes sense. So, so it's really a combination of both, and that and that has occurred, you know, throughout the last nine years of the almost nine years of my recovery, and. Um, you know, as I gain my own stability, even my workplaces have been also a support. Like I'm currently working with a program, it's service oriented uh, down in Southern California, where they provide a platform to essentially guide people into their own oneness, similar to what I've experienced through my own you know, piecemealing of a program together and they put it together and they invited me down here to join the fight with them. And and that's one of the huge things that's happening now. And it's supporting me in my life and my recovery. Um, and it's giving me an opportunity to support others where we're going to really try to change some policy. So, so it's really been a combination of both throughout my entire process. Yeah. It sounds like you're, like you're living out your, you found your passion yes. and you're living it out. And you know, before we get into that, I wanted to tell my listeners, like, how did that, you know, so, because you went back to school. I did. And I wanted, I'm just going to leave it right there. And I want you to kind of dive into that a little bit. Sure. You know, I always have to create a little context. So yes, uh, in 2016, I was working for social services. Um, my The man that I married to had relapsed on drugs. So I kicked him out of my house and um, he made a decision to come back into my house uh, when he was highly intoxicated and he assaulted me. Uh, I couldn't get off the ground. Um, I didn't know if that was going to be the incident that sort of tipped the scales for me into, you know, diving into mental health problems that prohibited me from taking care of myself and my child. Um, I was very aware, very clean and sober, and I had gotten beaten until I couldn't get off the ground. I was, you know, the entire assault was captured on 911 tape. Um, and I was getting ready to transition that very same day. It was July 5th of 2016. And this assault happened at about two o'clock in the morning. Um, but that very day I was transitioning into a supervisory position with the nonprofit I was working for, where I was going to be supervising three men's programs um, that were involved with a shelter um, a day center and then uh, a Marguerite housing voucher program. And, and all of those programs were serving men similar to my husband. And um, unfortunately I spent a little bit of time in the hospital that day and was covered in bruises and contusions and things like that. And so I had to put that job off and I didn't know if I was going to be able to do that job. Um, I was definitely willing to prosecute my husband um, I made a police report. Um, but then as like time started to progress a little bit, I recognized that he was going to go into prison and come out the same guy. And as I progressed in my position, because I did transition into that position and I made the decision to own my life after that, I made the decision to not allow that to control me and destroy me. And, and that was an active effort. It was an action that I had to take on a daily basis, right? To own me, to not allow that traumatic experience to dominate my life and day because I had a life to live. And, and what I recognized was that that life had to be immersed in service. 
service to others, which included the guy that assaulted me. And so I made the decision to participate in his process. And I also recognized that the people I was serving in the position uh, as a social service supervisor, that I wasn't actually serving at my highest capacity. And I, and I knew that policy needed to change, but I knew that wasn't going to happen with my history. I have 17 felony convictions. I've been in and out of prison. I have a long history of drug addiction. And even though I have that life experience, there was no way I was going to be recognized without having an education and some letters behind my name. So that's when I made the decision to go back to school. And, you know, I spent a lot of time on my knees saying, God, if this is the path that you have for me, you need to make a way because I do not want to be financially bankrupt. I need to be able to be strong and move forward. And that's exactly what happened. God opened the path. I showed up to do the work. And together, what occurred is I was graduating each quarter with honors. I started to get some really prestigious scholarships through my merit and my life experience and my drive in my focus of what I wanted to do with my education. And, and so that's what happened. And, uh, you know, I wanted to give up, Alex. I wanted to give up every day sometimes because it was hard. It was hard. It was unfamiliar. I felt insecure. When I looked in the mirror, I saw the things that I had done for the prior 40 something years. I didn't see my own potential. And um, and that's really what happened. I went back to school and, and I ended up going to the University of Washington. I was being recruited by schools like Yale and Cornell and, and all kinds of Ivy League schools. And I was, you know, I felt like they have no idea who they're trying to recruit. Um, but I ultimately ended up at the University of Washington and, uh, and it's been a fantastic experience that has propelled me to where I am now. That is absolutely beautiful, and and I think that was that was the I guess the before and after the before and after picture is what kind of drew me to like oh my what what mm -hmm. and so it's it, it's an amazing journey, and I know with you know looking at your past and seeing how like man how that can really can derail people right mm -hmm. no matter all the things that's happened in the past whether it's your fault or others' fault, is like you, you've taken the ownership of it and then shaped it. And then out of that, it's the bottom line is it comes to service is what I'm, is what I'm hearing. And that's a wonderful, that's a, a phenomenal message. Um, tell us a little bit about like during that journey, I started to see some pictures of you out in nature. Mm. How was that like, what was that, um, how did that make you feel? Because you climbed some mountains. Oh, yeah. Literally, look at that. Literally, Literally and figuratively. Yeah. figuratively. That is yeah. right. Yeah, so it's the craziest thing. I was, um, instead of going to prison for a time when I was arrested in 2012, I ended up getting a drug court sentence because this nonprofit that I was originally connected with uh, paid for a private attorney. In that process, I felt trapped, locked down to the Seattle area. And um uh, and it was weird because I was born and raised in concrete jungles. If anybody knows about Tacoma, Washington, I'm from Tacoma and I was raised on the hilltop and on the east side. And so I was raised in low income ghetto areas and we don't go into the woods. Bad things happen in places like that. Some of my best friends are like, girl, don't you know, we don't do that. So, um, so uh, it was really bizarre. I started feel feeling compelled to connect with trees. It was just really crazy. And so I started to go to Arboretum in um, in town, and and then I just felt driven to 
to go out and hike. So I started hiking on mountains. And what I found was, uh, and I've done therapy and all kinds of different things over the years. And what I found was, is that I felt like it defragmented me to be on those mountains, to be out in nature. It did something for me. And it, 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 it essentially sort of pieced me back together inside. And so I found that to be really profound. And I was also very grateful that I had listened to my gut. And, and as these kind of experiences continue to happen, it, it reaffirmed in me that I can trust myself, right? Because if I listen to that inner voice, it takes me to places that help me to be able to serve on a, on a more massive scale. And so, you know, I just got driven and I'm an addict. I'm an addict. So, you know, it's like go farther, go higher, go bigger, or go home. If you ever drunk out of a public drinking fountain and thought to yourself, and this was before COVID. Now, I know nobody's drinking out of public water fountains anymore, but if you ever thought about like the different things, germs, bacteria that can be floating around a water faucet, this, this thing that I'm about to tell you about is the way to go. It's called UV Bright. So it's a water bottle that you simply just press the button and it purifies your water. The three steps, you fill up your bottle with water from any source of clear water, then you tap the button on the cap, it lights up, it's pretty cool, and then UV Bright's UVC purification technology, it cleanses your water. You just have to wait about 90 to 180 seconds and then you have clean, pure drinking water. It's the way to go and you don't tear up the earth by just keep wasting and using uh, plastic water bottles. So I, I know most of us do use water bottles now, but this is the next level because it purifies your water. So um, you might want to pick one up. You just go to uv-bright.com. And the cool thing is I have a promo code. All you got to put in is Shark Effect 15 and you get 15%. So check it out. It's for you. You're welcome. And that's what I did. And and I eventually, um, it eventually evolved into mountain climbing. I met a guy, I joined a church. I met a guy and a bunch of his friends that were mountain climbers. And uh, in 2019, I climbed the three highest peaks in Washington state. I ended up doing a 60 mile backpack trip and rode my bicycle across the state of Washington because I was getting ready to start UW and I knew my life was going to be locked down during that time. So I had to get it all in. I messed my knee up that summer, but it didn't matter because my experiences were amazing. And I've just continued on with that path because it's provided me um, a release in a lot of ways. And it, it also working with people in a service oriented uh, environment, you know, you're re-traumatized, little pieces of your spirit get plucked out of you, you deplete yourself. And when I'm out there in nature, it, it revitalizes me. I am, you know, essentially um, re-energized, I'm put back together. It gives me an opportunity to, to be whole when I enter back into that environment. So yeah, it's been a beautiful thing. And I'm so grateful that I've listened to my spirit through this process. Love that. And I think the, the biggest thing, like the key word that you keep saying was environment. It's like changing your environment. And, uh, you know, I know that's tough. That's tough for different people, especially like if you've been raised a certain way in a, a different environment, it can be scary. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to your spirit, like changing the environment 
can recharge you. It can give you another um, vision of, of self. And I'm, I'm really big on that. Really big. It's changing your environment. That's powerful. Um, so with, with going to college, right, doing that and, you know, going through your, your, your path and what you're doing now with service, it sounds like, like you, you know a lot about leadership. And, you know, this shows about like high performers, high, high achievers. But I think I'm, I'm always curious to hear about those type of people because the first person you have to lead is yourself. Is there like um, like a formula? Is there something you can be able to give like nuggets that you can be able to give my listeners about, you know, how to first lead yourself before leading others? Yeah, I mean, that's such a great question, right? You're tapping into, I think, the most important thing about what we have the capability to do as a human being. I think that for me, when you ask that question, oh, so many things came up in my mind. And and I think the biggest thing for me is like, you know, I was a person, this person in my heart, I believed that I wanted to become, even from a small child, right? And um, my outside and external circumstances sort of beat that idea down um, because there was such a contradiction, right? It's like, oh, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this, but this is what's being modeled to me. And people aren't accepting me when I do this. So I need to conform to this so that I feel like I'm a part of, right? And so, and I listened to that for so long in my life that it it essentially beat me into this place of submission where my message became their message, which is you are nothing and you will accomplish nothing and you need to stay on the porch because that's where you belong. You do not fit in in other places. And so what I think has allowed me to really recognize my role in leadership as a leader is that I have a made the decision to change that message. I stopped and I took a look at myself and I said, oh, that wasn't my message. Well, if I decided to believe the lie, because that's not what I believed at first, there's no reason I can't change that now, even though I don't believe that I am worthy, that I am worth love, that I can do it, that I am capable. Maybe if I start saying that to myself, I will believe it the same way I decided to believe this. It's all about consent, right? And whatever I tell myself is the truth. So what do I want to believe? And that does not mean that I enter into every situation with this amazing confidence. But what I know is that my head will lie to me. And I have 40-something years of pattern thinking that I have to overcome. So my message starts with me. And As I do that, I recognize my own humanity. And then as I recognize my own humanity, I get the opportunity to look out at other people. And when I judge their behaviors, their words, their, you know, intentions, I ask myself, have you ever done that? And then when the answer is yes, and it usually is, um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's only me talking to me. So, but when I recognize my humanity and their humanity as being similar, I realize that we're all the same, which allows me the opportunity to be transparent. And the more transparent I am, I find the more people are interested in hearing what I have to say. And, and I'll tell you, I do it for myself, right? Because the things that I say to myself grow bigger in the dark. So if I'm actually exposing the things that make me feel uncomfortable, if I'm allowing my vulnerability to be public, A, I don't feel like I'm a secret. B, I'm finding that people are more willing to follow. When in reality, I'm just looking at what other people are doing. And so I think that the best leader is able to follow. 
period. And it's not about a big I and little you. And I don't know if all of this makes sense to you, but it's really the process that I've been going through. And so, um, you know, as I put myself in a position to be willing to guide through my own experience, I also remain open to other perspectives because I don't think I have it all figured out. And I think that, you know, in the world, we really are not that different as a species. Some of the details of our experiences might be different, but if we really pare it all down to emotion, experience, fear, insecurity, love, like we're able to see the similarities in each other. And I think that's what's necessary really for leadership is to be open-minded, to be willing, and to be, you know, transparent in so many ways. Love that, love that. Jeannie, so one of the things that I really has, what has helped me both like when I played football, but then when I took those same principles off the football field and I started to apply it to my life, you know, everything changed for me. And so for me, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, it's uh, assignment, alignment, and adjustment. What, what now is your assignment? Well, okay, that's, yeah, that's a great question. So currently my assignment is, is um, being able to utilize my experience and my story to work with a couple of really big powerhouses that are guiding me so that I can help people with my similar experiences to raise ourselves up, to raise up our voices, and to say we deserve a seat at the table and a voice in the conversation so that we can create policies that actually help to progress us, not to digress or regress us, right? And we see a lot of that happening in society right now. Oh, we're just gonna love people to death. We're going to support the narrative that says you can't change until you're ready. I was ready long before I ever got stopped, but you would have never seen me stop in my addiction because I didn't have power over my addiction. You know, and and to support, you know, we have a social service structure in our nation right now that's that really supports the destruction of our people. And we want to be able to change some of that so that programs that are actually trying to help people progress and get to where I am, maybe not this exact same trajectory, but be able to get to a place where they're self-supportive and independent. Um you know, where they can actually do that so they can reach back and help others of us come out of that situation. That's that's my current assignment. And uh, God saw fit to put me down here in Southern California to do that. Love that. Okay, so in terms of alignment, how do you align yourself now? How do you align like your, your thinking, your life, as opposed to, you know, I don't know, nine years ago or 10 years yeah. ago? That's a good question. Um, I mean, what I do is I remind myself on a daily basis of what it's like for me um, when I make those decisions. I regularly have feelings of self-doubt. Feelings only have as much power as we give them, though. So I make sure to feed the power that is a service-oriented. When I remain in a position of service to other people, and what I'm learning here at this place where I'm, where I'm working, I'm a founding director of Solutions Institute at a program called Solutions for Change. And I'm a national overcomer spokesperson for a network that we just kicked off on October 15th, right? And my strongest asset truly is to be in a place of service for others. And so, um, and that's what I do. And what I, again, back to, I remind myself of what it was like. A, that puts me in a position to be able to continue to communicate to my people 
that there is a way out. And yes, you are your own savior. You are your own savior and you have what it takes, right? So when I continue to align myself with where I come from and then focus on where we're trying to go, and my end goal is how many people can I help when it's all said and done? And and so those are the things that I align myself with. And as I continue to focus on those things, my platform becomes so much bigger. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then last thing, like adjustment. What type of adjustments have you made? You, you've already talked about it, but can you like just kind of boil it down to like the yeah. adjustments that you've made or that I continue to make? Yeah. So one of the things that I do is, is like I... I'm in a really deep relationship with where I've come from and where I'm trying to go. And the things like at the end of the day, everything that happens in this little circle, if I I put my hands out in front of me, like I'm hugging someone, everything that happens in that sphere is a result of a decision that I have made. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not the system's fault. They're choices. I blame my mom. I blame the juvenile system. I blame my dad. I blamed the people that were in my path, you know, for a long time for the terrible life that I experienced. But today, what I do is I remind myself um, that it, they're all a result of choices that I've made. And, and what that does is it allows me the opportunity to make small adjustments in my day. I don't like the way this feels. I don't like the way I'm showing up. Okay, well, it's not about somebody else changing their behavior to accommodate my level of comfort. It's about how can I show up in acceptance and change the way that I react or respond to a situation. And and that applies in all situations. And so I just continue to make adjustments. And, you know, if I don't like the way I look, you know, let's take it back from a service perspective and, and talk about my own self. If I don't like the way my body looks, maybe I should consider changing the way that I eat. That doesn't mean it's linear and it doesn't mean it's super fast and easy. But as I make small adjustments, instead of eating that piece of cake, let me go grab a banana or a piece of ripe pineapple, right? I'm going to still get the same sugar intake. It's going to be a lot less calories. And then maybe I go for a walk in the morning instead of sitting around drinking coffee and being on social media, right? And, And really it's about looking at each thing, one thing at a time that I don't like in my life and making a commitment to myself of how I'm going to move forward on that. And again, it's never linear and things happen one small step at a time often. And so, you know, I just make adjustments in my life with everything with that same process and those same principles. And guess what? It works. It works. And I am continuing to become somebody that I have respect for as a result of it because I'm accountable to me today. First and foremost, I'm accountable to me. Absolutely. I love that. Tell us a little bit about your organization that you're, that you have co-founded and that you're, you're working with now. Okay. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, So I'm currently working for two different organizations. I relocated from Seattle down to North San Diego County in Vista. I work for a program called Solutions for Change. Um, I, along with the founder of the program and some other folks are creating a a portion of the nonprofit called Solutions Institute, where our focus will essentially be creating, you know, up building up uh, army of advocates and going in and changing local policy that focuses on um, recognizing programs that are accountability based and um, abstinence based that help people actually get their lives back um, as as a worthy you know 
um, process in our current social service structure. Because right now, nationally, our, our current social service structure supports um, enabling behavior that essentially helps the person continue to destroy their own lives, that separates families, that encourages incarceration, that encourages, uh, you know, these like depths of hopelessness and despair that people often don't come out of. And then the other position that I am in is a national spokesperson for um, a national nonprofit that we just launched on October 15th called the National Overcomers Network. Um, my job will be to uh, research programs that are helping to build people up um, into positions such as my own um, that help us to, you know, see outside of our past circumstances and to become these independent socially proactive people in our communities and, um, and as well as I'll be researching folks like myself that have brought themselves or that have, you know, been supported through programs um, out of that mess and mire of vulnerabilities that, that become social service dependent. Right. And so, and then we plan to create a, a network nationally and to, you know, hold a convention and to collectively be able to change that social service structure policy that is in place on a federal level. And so, you know, our entire focus really is how many people can we help to overcome uh, their circumstances? And it doesn't just have to be addiction and homelessness. This also can be, you know, physical disabilities, mental disabilities that have caused a person to feel like they're dependent on these systems. And, uh, you know, what we want to do is we want to highlight the folks because these human lives are the data, essentially, that are necessary in order to... Um, you know, to change this narrative that we're seeing in most metropolitan cities that are keeping people in these places of despair and hopelessness and dependent on systems. Mm. Jeannie, how can people like support you? How can they get in touch with you? You have a website or websites. How can they, are you on social media? I am. Um, my social media handle on LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook is V as in Victor, Ginny, G-I-N-N-Y, Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N. Um, I am. I currently work for a program in Vista, California called Solutions for Change. You can access me through that website. Um, I do have a website of my own that's going to be launching here soon. That will be vginieburton.com. It's not completely up and running yet, but you can reach me through any of those places. And you can also find me, there's a group on Facebook that I've created. It's called Courage to Change. We're a goal-setting and uh, gratitude-oriented group. You can also find me through the Overcomers Net National Overcomers Network, which is a Facebook business page on Facebook. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But, but Jeannie, this has been um, inspiring once again, but also I get to learn a little bit more about like you talk about change a lot and, yeah. and you and you attack it from from a principle and foundational aspect. And, I, you know, I know I know I've gotten better, you know, over this past, what, 35 minutes. So <laughs> um, I, I thank you for that, Jeannie. And um, God bless you. Keep doing what you're doing and keep inspiring and um yeah i love to be able to to talk with you and, and interview you again absolutely thank you so much alex and i hope we do stay connected and and as big things start to unfold with these networks that we've created and that we're in the process of creating i would love to keep your listeners informed and figure out how we can all work together to try to solve these problems that we're experiencing in our world today 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards so these are things that can help anybody not just not just athletes now there's some stories in there you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.